Okay, so as you can see, we're going to do a little bit different format this morning. Um, Kevin, I've asked him to come and kind of share some things to encourage us and um, probably to convict us. So we're going to be having a, a conversation, and um, we're going to just kind of include you in it. We're, we're talking about um, gratitude in the midst of battles. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that King David demonstrated to us throughout the Bible um, was that he always gave God the honor and he always praised God even in the midst of his trials and in the midst of hardships and in the midst of of the battle. And um, so this morning that's what Kevin and I are going to be kind of discussing and I've asked him to share a bunch of stories. How many of you want to hear stories about what God is doing in the Philippines? You know we live in a yeah, well, there's three of them. Well, so. if you don't want to, then <laughs> you're stuck anyway, because that's what we're doing. Yes, your captive audience. Um, but that's that's really uh, the direction that I really had on my heart was that that we could really come to understand um, the perspective and uh, what trials do and what the purpose of trials are in our lives. And so, it's it's pretty amazing the things that uh, that God has shown to Kevin and Shenna. So for those of you who don't know the story, um, Kevin, could you kind of bring them up to speed on like what you're doing there, how you got there? Yeah, well, we got to the Philippines. Oh, it's been about four, four and a half years now. Wow. Wow. Time goes by fast, but uh, it was really rough when we first got there. I'll be honest. Uh, We, God gave us a vision. God gave me a vision. Uh, that he would do great things, that he was going to give us that area. And we had so many, like, grand ideas when we got there. And then we show up, and it's hot, and it's horrible, and it's muggy, and it's humid, and I got so sick. And we didn't even know, I didn't even, I was like, God, where's all this great stuff you were going to do? Wait, when you say so sick, you don't mean like you had a cold. No, I got dengue fever. Well, the first time I got dengue fever. Can you Uh, explain... Dengue, uh, dengue fever is, uh, yeah, it's kind of like malaria. Um, like malaria. You, uh, you get this fever and your blood is unable to clot and your platelets go down, so you start bleeding out of your organs. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, so my kidneys and my liver were bleeding and, and I got so sick for months. And Welcome to the ministry. Yeah, I was like, God, yeah, this is awesome. And I wasn't able to do the things that, like God was like, I was, I'm going to just do great things. And then, yeah, I, I could barely walk. And I got to the point where I was like, well, I don't even know where to start. So I woke up and I said, okay, God, I'll just give you today because that's all I can do. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to do it. But I'm just going to go out and you're going to do something. I don't know what. So I got out and I walked and... I met one person, another person, another person, uh, until it became, you know, our first outreach, our first feeding people, and then baptizing 150 people at the jail, and then our first church plant became our second church plant, became our third, until now we're working on our 10th church that we're planting. That's... 
It's so amazing because I, I remember when you first got there, it was looking pretty bleak. It yeah, was pretty... It, life was not fun for a while. Yeah. So that's kind of our theme today is, is you know, when you're not having fun, <laughs> when you're going through something that's difficult and hard and challenging and, and, um, and why? Why does God let us go through such hard things? I mean, hasn't he called us to a life of blessing? I mean, can you, can you kind of define um, what spiritual warfare is and, and how, how God uses that in our lives? Yeah, well, what I've, what I've learned, I guess what I've noticed in, in my life is there's two types of warfare. There's like an external, but the biggest part of spiritual warfare is, is much more internal. Mm-hmm. And the battle is more for your heart and your, your own heart and your own mind mm-hmm. than it is for anybody else. And we become like a cat that's like chasing a laser beam. And the enemy just sends us all these distractions, all these things, like, oh, look at this worry here. Look at this problem. Be afraid. You're going to lose this, or this is going to happen. And he sends us fear and worry and doubt and distraction and problem in our relationship. Anything, you know, to help to stop us from fixing our eyes on Jesus and from understanding truth and peace and joy. He wants to steal those things from us. And so what the battle is, is really fixing your eyes on Jesus and the battle is for peace. The battle is for truth. The battle is for joy. The battle is for these things in yourself, much more than it is for everybody else. You know, people come and they say, oh, I have spiritual warfare. I'm like, what's, what's your spiritual warfare? Well, my neighbor did this. I was like, well, maybe God's not trying to change them, right? Maybe God's trying to change me. And because we know how it works when we try and change other people. You know, if you're married, you know how it works trying to change other people, right? It doesn't. My wife's been trying to change me for, what, five years? It hasn't worked yet. So she's still praying for me. Uh, yeah, and hopefully God answers her prayer one day. <laughs> well, he's working on you. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I, I always say is that Satan will tell you a lie, and then he will set up all kinds of scenarios throughout your life to try to confirm that it is actually, in fact, truth. But a lie is always a lie, no matter how many times it seems confirmed. For example, um, you know, maybe you're struggling to believe that God loves you. Okay, the enemy tells you the lie. Oh, God loves everyone else, but he doesn't really like you very much. And then the enemy will come in and set up all kinds of little situations that would, would seem to indicate that, in fact, God doesn't love you. But that's not the truth. And we've been, we believe so many lies, don't we? Just throughout our whole lives, there's so many lies that we believe, and then we battle for that truth inside ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we battle for that peace. Yeah. And don't you think that one of the main lies that we battle is that if we go through hardship, it's because we've done something wrong? Yeah, and most of the time, that's not true at all. Mm-hmm. Like, God does his greatest work in pain. Mm-hmm. He did his greatest work on the cross, which was filled with pain and suffering. And Jesus embraced the cross, mm-hmm. and he embraced that. Why? Because he knew that that pain was for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And God's promise, one, that we will have suffering, and we will have troubles, and we will have trials, mm-hmm. but also that he works all things together for the good right. of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. So 
he does his greatest work in those things. So if you have a trial, if I have a trial, I can trust that God is doing something with it, that God is going to use it for his glory, and he's going to, you know, change it all around. And no matter how bad I think it is, no matter if it was my fault or somebody else's fault or what happened, God uses it. And God's going to make something great out of it because that's what he does. He's amazing. Well, and that's, you know, one of the things that I love about the Old Testament is, you know, I mean, there are very few of us who have actually been involved in a, in a legit physical battle, right? I mean, maybe there, there are some military people here who have actually experienced it. But for the majority of us, especially here in America, we, we don't understand war. We don't understand battles. But the examples all throughout the Old Testament, the example of battle is actually talking for us in the modern day about spiritual warfare. You know, when it mentions in Ephesians 6 that, that you know, we're dealing with principalities and, and rulers of the darkness. We're dealing with demonic forces. Whether we admit it or not, there are demonic forces that are consistently trying to come against us. And the more we try to go for it with God, oftentimes the more battles we'll experience. And what we try to do, um, especially in our first world problems in America, we get distracted, like Kevin said, or we try, to, we try to get out of the trial. We do as much as we can to avoid the trial or to get out of the trial or to make it go away. But, but what the, the word of God shows us is that as we go through the battle and as we fight those battles, trusting that God is with us, that God is going to give us the victory. And one of the passages that I just love in 2 Samuel 22, um, this is, it says it's David's psalm of thanksgiving. I think one of the main things that, that we don't do in the midst of our trials is give thanks. I think sometimes it's a challenge to give thanks. It's hard, yeah. it's hard to give thanks. Mm-hmm. But here's what David says. Um, this, he, he went through some crazy battles. He, if, you, if you read through First uh, and Second Samuel and read about just the specific battles that David encountered, but this is what he's saying after winning a whole bunch of battles. He sang this song to the Lord on the day that God rescued him from his enemies and from Saul. And he sang, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. He's my refuge and savior, the one who saves me from violence. I called on the Lord who's worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. Now, this is the part. This is setting you up here. The waves of death overwhelmed me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God for help. And he heard me from his sanctuary, and my cry reached his ears. You had an experience. I was there. Been there, done that. (laughs) Been there, done that. Yeah, check that one off the to-do list, right? Um, But you you had an experience just recently. Um, Can you explain, tell, tell these people who support you through prayer and through money, what you're really actually dealing with there besides dengue fever and that kind of thing. <laughs> well, we actually, well, we had a flood, right? Uh, a couple months ago, uh, we had the greatest flood that our area has experienced in over 40 years. Uh, this is my neighborhood. Welcome to my neighborhood. Uh, we've done a little bit of remodeling, installed a big pool. Uh, and 
you know, it, it, was, it was such a time. It was a rough time. Uh, it happened on a Sunday because everything bad happens on a Sunday. Like when, when you're trying to serve God, it's like, oh, it's the hardest time. Everything goes wrong on a Sunday. Uh, but we had been experiencing heavy rains for three straight weeks. Two big typhoons came in. Two big hurricanes came in. Uh, and so we hadn't really had any relief. We were really tired. We were kind of bogged down, you know, just really feeling it. Uh, the rain was so bad that our walls were weeping. Like they were, the rain was just coming inside through the walls because they had, it had just saturated everything. So we had buckets all around the edges of our, our house. And, um, but we're just, we're just persisting. We're, we're going we're gonna to keep going. And so I went to one of our, the small churches that's kind of up in the mountains a little bit. and One of the church plants. And uh, we were just praising God. It's raining so hard, and, and the church was packed full. It's just a little church, right? But we got 65 people in this little church, and we're just going all out. Just really, God's presence was with us. We're praising him. And, you know, at the same time, Shanna was at our main church, and she was having service there and just really praising God in the storm. Shen is his wife. Shen is my wife, and we do ministry. We're like a, a ministry partner team. It's, it's amazing. God gave me her. And I did a closing prayer in our service and said amen, and right after, I got a phone call from Shenna, and she had just done her closing prayer, and she said, as soon as I said amen, the water just rushed in the door. And within 30 minutes, the water was... Uh, about five feet high, so over most Filipinos' heads, because, you know, Filipinos are short. Um, you know, maybe it, to you guys it's your shoulders, but to them it's like... Imagine know. 30 minutes water five feet high in this building. Imagine we're just going about our business, and all of a sudden 30 minutes later, imagine that. And, you know, everybody that was in church, they're, they're trapped there. They're trying to get up out of the water. They're trying to save anything they can, you know. One guy has a guitar on his back, and, uh, you know, they climbed up on the roof, and then suddenly all the power goes out because they shut it off so people don't get electrocuted, and uh, cell phone service died. They had no water. There was nothing. And I'm trapped. I try and get to her, and the road's closed. And, you know, I just, I, I mean, it was just one of those moments. So I, what'd you do? I stopped the car. I had no choice. I'm just stuck on the side of the road. And I said, God, you know, I've already given my life to you. My life is yours. I exchanged my life for your life. If my family, if you take them, they're yours. And I rolled down my window, and it's raining hard. And I pointed out, and I just looked at the rain. And I said, bring it on. Bring it on. Whatever you got, nothing is going to stop me from serving and glorifying God. And I rolled up the window and I got out of the car and I uh, just started walking. It took me forever. I had uh, one of my leaders was with me and we just walked and we're trying to get to the church. Well, where I was, it was about here. Uh, but as it's I. It's not like he's just walking, it's like he's. Like I'm trudging, yeah. you know, and waiting, and the water's dirty, and it's gross, and it smells bad. You know, all the sewage came up, and uh, it, it was miserable. Uh, but we're just trying to get there, because we don't know what's going on. We know that they're trapped. We know that there's little kids. And this is your kids. wife and how many kids? Well, I have three kids, 
they're little kids. My little girl's three. And, you know, you can't, you can't just take a little girl, you know, water's too high. It's coming in. And we have a lot of little kids at the church, too. We take care of a lot of little kids. So there's orphan kids who have nobody to take care of and babies and all this stuff. And they're all just uh, climbing up on whatever they can to get out of the water. And I finally got there. And we got people out. And nobody had died, thankfully. God had saved them. And I get there. And it's like, you know, they're just, you know, like nothing happened. And I'm like, they're huddled under a tarp on top of the roof. And, you know, they're just, you know, taking selfies with the one cell phone that still has a battery. And just, you know, it's like, and, uh, you know, it's like they, they're just praising God. They're just have so much joy and happiness throughout this, this thing. And I get there and it takes us until about 2 a.m. to get everybody out of that city. And, uh, our town is about the size of about the size of Draper, uh, and we, you know, everything was destroyed. I mean, the brick machine we were using to make bricks for the orphanage is broke. Our trucks broke. They tried to use the van to get out of the water, and it sucked all the water up in the engine because it happened so fast. I mean, thirty minutes you don't have time to do anything, and you know the couch is floating out the door because we live right behind the church and. Uh, you know, it's just, it's dirty, it smells bad. And, uh, you know, there was one moment for me, one heartbreaking moment. Because I was like, you know, I, I've, this isn't my first radio, rodeo. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been through battles. But I get there and there's this one girl who's 24, 25. And she had just been saved maybe five months before. And she was holding her Bible that had been destroyed. And her Bible, we had given it to her when she got saved. And, you know, it was like, I called it the Fiesta Bible because she had, like, all the markings. And she had put, you know, little flags on everything. And it was her prized possession. It, it is her prized possession. It was the, the best thing she had ever been given. And she was crying because it was, it was destroyed. And I was like, oh, God, not the Bible. <laughs> you know, not, not that. You know, everything else, you know, but that was my moment. You know, you have those moments. And I was just like, God, I'm sad about that. But then we got everybody out and um, found a way to go to Shenna's parents' house about an hour away. We had to stay there. Uh, we couldn't get back in for another five days. And we got, when we got back in, the mud was like six, six inches high, covered everything, uh, still no power or water, you know. The, you can see the mud on the right-hand side. That's right outside. It's just just left. this this gross mud. And the first day, uh, 36 people had died just from drowning. And over the next few days, another more than 200 people died from sickness, from the dirty water. Because the water gets into your cuts, and there's, you know, it's just all sewage water that comes up. And uh, it was just a time, you know, it was just a rough time. But you know what? When we got back to the church, all the church members, even though their houses had been destroyed, even though they had been flooded, they were all there and they're like, we have to have church tomorrow. And so we're all cleaning the church together and uh, we're not going to let this stop us. And so that was on Saturday and everybody's just doing, working all day so that we can 
have church tomorrow. And so Sunday we had church. We still didn't have power or water or anything, but we're there and we're, we're just praising God because he deserves that praise and because he deserves to be honored and because he's everything. And so we did it. And you know what? God won. God won that battle. And I was like, when I said, bring it on, it, it was just like, yeah, we can do this. And we did. You know, that kind of convicts me that, you know, I was complaining yesterday because my garage door opener doesn't work. Like, <laughs> I'm going to have to explain what a garage door opener is to people where I'm to at. To the people in the Philippines. I mean, it, you know, you think about it, you guys. It's like, um, you know, you hear what he's saying. And it's like, in the midst of that, they gave thanks. You know, they continue to, to thank God. And I mean, for me, that's so convicting because really when you go through your trial, don't you just, you just want to get through it, right? Or you want to avoid it. And yet God was doing something so deep in you and in your family and in your kids and in your church. I mean, all of the churches. So can you talk, can you address the, the whole issue of, of what it means to actually give thanks in the midst of hardship and trials and, and what the purpose for that is? Yeah, you know, you have to understand why, you know, why God does these things. And he has a purpose for it. And a lot of it is he wants to change us. He wants to make us new, and he wants to test our faith, and he wants to make our faith stronger. Uh, I love the verse in First Peter 1, 6, right? And he says that in this you would rejoice, right? Rejoice that though you may go through these horrible things, like though you may grieve over trials of many kinds, right? So that your faith might be proven, right? So that your faith can be proven. It says that you might have authentic faith, right? And it's at that moment when you realize, yeah, my faith is real. And you, you, you think, okay, maybe my faith is real, but I don't know yet. You, you don't know. But then when you go through those really hard times, when you're like, God, I give you my family, and if I get there and they're all, all dead, <clears throat> I will still praise you. If I get there and my baby girl's floating, you know, that goes through your mind. I will glorify you because you're the God that gives and takes away. Right? And that moment, you know what I believe? It's real. And at that moment, you're like, yeah. My faith, it's genuine. I don't have a fake faith. Because when it comes down to it, God proves that faith to you in those moments. And he works that faith in you in those moments. And it becomes real. So that next time I tell somebody, I believe in Jesus Christ and I exchange my life for his life. And they're like, what does that mean? Let me tell you what that means. That means I consider everything loss. And he's my everything. He is my everything. And he's given me everything. And if all I have is me and him, we're good. Right? You know, when I think about that scripture often, you know where it says, 
To live is Christ. And to die is gain. It's a win-win for us as believers. It's a win-win. And I, I just know, you know, it's like, Kevin, when you're saying this, it's like, it's the testing of your faith. You know that, that even when it's, when it's going through the fire and it's going through these hardships. I mean, I remember right after, um, right after my husband died two and a half years ago, I, it's like it gave me the perspective. You know, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters except the gospel. Nothing else matters except Jesus Christ in my life. And, you know, we forget. You know, we forget that when we when we just get distracted. And, and I don't know, Kevin, do you think it's, in some ways, it's harder to be a, a Christian in America? I mean, like a sold-out Christian because we're so... We are like the cat chasing after the laser beam. I mean, we're so distracted. I think just because here we have the ability to insulate ourselves from uh, trial, right? And if we can't insulate ourselves, we medicate ourselves. You know, if we can't medicate ourselves, we distance ourselves even more. Uh, And we rely on, on other things and other people and other programs. And so we try and avoid and escape those problems. But we need the problems. Yeah. We need those trials, right? And if we avoid every trial, then that's where God does his greatest work in us. And that's where he proves to us his faithfulness. You know, two weeks ago I was talking about um, how we give thanks not because of our trials, but in spite of them or despite the trials. Because we know that, you know, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but you're, I'm sure there are things running through your mind when you're thinking of, of a dark season of your life, that you went through a really hard time. You went through something really difficult. And you look back and you now see the benefit of what you've gone through, you know? It, it, I mean, and even just looking around, you know, I know... I know there's a lot of you that have been through some and are going through some really painful, really devastating things. But I think the main point that Kevin and I are here to say is that this is going to be for the glory of God and this is going to be good and you are going to be strengthened even though right now it's painful. But God is a God of hope, right? And you won't, during the time, it's hard to understand it because you don't have that big picture perspective. But God, you can trust him that he will use it. I love the verse in um, Colossians 3. It says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. You know, this, this is in the context of even our hardships, even our trials, even the pain and the grief and the loss and the sickness and the fear and the floods and, um, you know, losing our earthly possessions, losing relationships, death, all of it. This is still in that context. God has still called us to live in peace because he is faithful because we know that he is good and that he's going to get us through these things. It's like Kevin said, you know, bring it on. I have, I have nothing to fear. 
If God is for us, who can be against us? And you can only have that peace, that peace that passes understanding. It only comes when your faith is in God, when your feet are on His rock. Mm-hmm. Because everything else does fall apart. Yep. Everything else falls apart. And we've all experienced, because everybody does experience something that's out of our control, mm-hmm. that's beyond our ability to fix, that's, that just falls apart. And you can have peace through that yep. Yep. when your faith is in God. But if it's not, it's really difficult. So is it, is it possible for us to opt out of warfare? Like we're like, nah, I'm good. I don't need that. Is it possible? You know, God promises us trouble. In this world, you have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. He promises us persecution. He says, persecution, like if you're a godly man, you will have persecution. Um, And really, the only way to opt out of that Mm -hmm. is to not follow Jesus, and then you're opting into discipline instead. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of, you know, these things, you're going to have discipline because God's faithful to you. God doesn't want you to just remain how you are. And so he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it, and he does it through some of these trials. So speaking of persecution, have you been persecuted since you got to the Philippines? Mm, Yeah, kind of. A few people hate me, uh, a a lot of people. I have great friends, and then I have people who hate the truth. They hate God. They hate the truth about God. Uh, You know, the, the Roman Catholic Church there is, well, it's very... You know, it's from the 1700s. They never came out of those dark ages. And, uh, you know, when I started really going and telling people about Jesus, they issued a statement, like posted it on the on the post saying, if you go to Pastor Kevin's church, you're going to get sick and die and you'll be cursed. Wow. And I was like, okay. You're powerful. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it was a formal proper proclamation like don't go to pastor kevin's church and people were really scared about that they can the catholic church do that can the priests really curse us if we go to your church and i was like are you going to believe those lies god's so much power god's god has power not them that's just nonsense that's just stuff and you know so there's that and you know they don't like that people are going out of superstition, and they don't like that people are finding this hope and this joy that's outside of formal religious rules, that people don't have to be subjugated to those rules in order to have faith in Jesus Christ, and they don't like the freedom that comes from that and, and the loss of power and control over, over everything that, that they have, you know? And then even in the Christian community, right? Well, there's, there's some real false prophets, you know, and there's one real false prophet in our area, and he speaks horrible things, and he knows that he's doing it, right? He, he takes the Bible, and he quotes the words of Satan and as if it's truth, you know? And, you know, he, he gets up, and he says, we're sitting under the tree of knowledge and good and evil, and we're going to uh, be gods ourselves. And I was like, oh. So I speak the truth, and he doesn't like it. And so him and there's a group, and they're really, they really hate me a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he even came to our church on a weekday, and he was throwing things and yelling. And 
you know, he's posted things on Facebook, and, you know, he comes on to my Facebook cause, and our radio page, and he posts things about us and not nice things at all. And, you know, I'm, I'm really thankful for that because for me, it's a, a confirmation, right? The godly, godly man will receive persecution. I was like, you know, thanks, God. Like, I get to say I'm a godly man because of that. And if, you know, if, if I didn't receive that persecution, I'd be thinking, well, am I even doing something that's worth it? You know? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, that scripture that says that, that you know, if you, if you do live a godly life, you will be persecuted. I mean, it's, it's, it's in the Bible. And like I was saying, first service, I think I get persecuted more just because I'm an idiot than I, than actually for the cause of Christ. But I think for, you know, for the cause of Christ is I want to be persecuted for that reason, you know, where it says, it says all men will hate you because of me. This is Jesus. It's like, you know, we think, oh, Jesus is just this, you know, he's always saying all these really sweet flowery things, but it's like, no, he's saying, if you serve me, if you want to live a godly life, you will be hated. People will hate you. It's like, that's not the kind of thing we like we ask for, like we want to happen, but ultimately it is, like you were saying, it's evidence that we yeah. are serving God. You know, because I, I try and look at myself with sober judgment and say, okay, God, I want to live a life that's worthy of what you've done for me. Mm-hmm. I want to honor your death with my life, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I want to make you proud, honestly. I want to get up there and I want God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Like, that's a big goal for me. Yeah. I want my dad to be proud of me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I get this persecution, I was like, you know what? I know my dad's proud. Mm-hmm. You know, I know he's proud. And they might hate me. Mm-hmm. And they're going to say bad things about me. Mm-hmm. But that shows me, mm-hmm. you know, shows me that uh, maybe I'm on the right track. I'm not perfect, but maybe I'm going the right direction. Um, I love the passage in First uh, Thessalonians five sixteen through eighteen. It says, "Rejoice always. Rejoice always, even in the midst of persecution, floods, sickness, pain. Um, pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus." And um, Kevin and I were talking yesterday. Have you guys heard of the Hiding Place? The the book, The Hiding Place. It's by Corey Tenboom, and she was in a concentration camp called Ravensbrück. And she and her sister were in this room, and they had just gotten put in there, and it was infested with fleas. And Corey was just so disheartened. She was just really upset about it. And her sister had just read this particular passage that morning. And she said, Corey, we need to give thanks for this. We need to rejoice. We know this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. And Corey is like, you're expecting me to give thanks for fleas? Like, seriously, that, that's a stretch, you know? Well, what ended up happening was they kept bringing more and more and more prisoners, more women into this room, and they had a Bible there. Corey and Betsy had a Bible there. And so they were able to do these Bible studies, and they were able to lead so many of these women, dozens and dozens of women. They were able to lead them to Christ before they went into the gas chambers, before their lives were ended. And Corey and Betsy could not understand why the guards never came in there, why they wouldn't come in and stop this. Because if the, if the German guards would have found out about this, usually they would, you know, do some severe punishment. And so um, 
Betsy overheard somebody saying, one of the guards saying, oh, I'm not going into that room. That room is infested with fleas. And so Corey said, so because of those fleas, God kept the, the guards out of that room. And so we were able to share Christ with these women who were going to their death. Isn't that amazing? Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And you don't know, right? And it's hard to give thanks, honestly. There's times you don't feel like it. There's times where you don't know what the fruit of this thing is going to be. There's times where it's just hard, right? Well, and have you found that God doesn't always um, feel obligated to explain stuff to us about it? Yeah, you don't have to know why you're going through it. Yeah. It might not even be for you. It might be somebody else seeing you suffer. Mm-hmm that helps them, mm-hmm. it might, you might not ever know why, mm-hmm. but you can always trust there is a why, mm-hmm. you know? And I've gone through so many experiences where I didn't feel thankful, yeah. right? There was one morning I woke up, I'm blind. My eyes were swollen shut. They had gotten infected over the night. And I woke up, it, it's on a Sunday because everything happens on a Sunday. <laughs> and... I'm supposed to get up and preach. I'm supposed to play piano, worship God. I didn't feel like it. Honestly, I didn't feel like it. I was mad. I was like, God, this isn't fair. You know? And Shannon's like, just, we need you to just do it. Just persevere. And so I get up and my heart's not in it. I'm really not in it. Not I'm, feeling it. I'm blind. I can't see. My eyes are hurting. I don't even know what's going on. I'm playing piano blind. And then I get up. I'm supposed to preach. And I'm sitting on a chair and I can't see, and I'm just like saying the words of God. And I'll be honest, I wasn't thankful. I was mad at God. I was like, God, why am I even here doing this? And I don't even know what I'm doing. My preaching is not good. I know it's not good. You know it's not good. Uh, but you have me here anyway. And I'm just saying my sermon, which was half memorized and half not because I was supposed to be, you know, reading stuff that I can't read. And suddenly I hear all these cries and people crying out for God and people weeping and people shouting the praises of God uh, in the middle of the sermon and it lasted for like an hour. And I don't even know who or what and I wasn't even involved in it. And I just got down and I went into the back room and I just repented. You know, I laid down and I repented. I was like, God, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's not about me. I should have been thankful. Even my eyes were messed up. It's not about me. And you have done everything. And you work today in spite of me. You work today in spite of my heart. And I, I, I repented. And as soon as I opened my eyes from the prayer, I could see again. And it was just like, just one of those moments where I realized, man, I'm supposed to be thankful in this circumstance. And God is doing amazing things. And he will do amazing things with or without me. It's not, a, it's not about me. It never was. So it's, it's evident, you know, we, we are going to have hardships. We're going to have trials. Um, and we are called to be thankful in the midst of them. But is there anything we can do to prepare for these inevitable trials? I mean, is there anything that you would suggest to us? Yeah, Ephesians 6 is, is really great. But some people, they think it's like some magical verse, right? Mm-hmm. Put on the armor of God. Mm-hmm. As if you're going to pretend to put on the armor of God. Da, 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 da. It doesn't work like that. 
right? You need to fill your life with truth. Truth will defend you. How do you fill your life with truth? Uh, you read the Bible a lot. And you fill your life with people who are going to tell you the truth. And you speak the truth. And you pursue truth. There's a pursuit of truth that's important. You know, and you try and, and as much as you can, you try and keep your life from, you know, the things of the world. You know, and you have faith. Faith is, faith is big. And your faith, it grows. The more trials you have, the more faith you have, the more hope you have, and then the more trials you have, it's a, it becomes such a foundation. How, how would you define faith? Faith, well, I would define it personally. Okay, so there's biblically and then personally. And, and uh, personally, faith comes when you, your belief causes you to act in obedience. Or causes you to surrender. It causes an action, right? Faith is when you believe something so much that you'll do something. And when you have that faith, it's such a foundation for you to prepare for these trials. Where you're like, no matter what happens, I trust in God. No matter how, what happens, I believe in His promise, right? My, I don't have money. My boss fired me. I don't have food but I have a provider. And when you know that, and you really know it, like not fake know it, but you really know it, then it doesn't steal your joy. It doesn't steal your peace. You don't have this worry or this anxiousness. You're like, oh, I have food for today. We'll see about tomorrow, right? I, I always think about the scripture in um, Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and convinced of what we haven't seen. And and I know for me, going through hardships, I had, I had a really hard week this week. And, um, you know, the only thing that I could go back to was, God, you're always faithful. Lord, you have never failed me. You've never failed me. And you're going to be faithful again. And I think it's, it's that, you know, that faith that even it, in the midst of that fire that you're not going to be burned you're not even going to smell like fire, but you're going to come out more purified. And, you know, that was my only hope this week. And I want to read you this passage. I, I, this really um, spoke to me. And, you know, like Kevin is saying, you guys, I, I know I tell you this every single week. But the Bible is your life. You will find answers. You will find hope. You will find faith. You will, I mean, the Bible is my crutch. It's actually, it's my whole ambulance. It's the whole ICU. The Bible is the only thing that is going gonna, is gonna to keep you anchored. The truth that Kevin is talking about. Knowing what it says in the word of God. Because, because when he speaks to you, you know that it's living and active and it's eternal. This is not something that's just going to fade away. It's going to go deep into you and it's going to change you. And there's this passage that I read and this just really spoke to me. And I, and I know that it, it's going to minister to several of you here concerning what you're going through. It's um, in Isaiah 26, 3. And it's up here. It says, you'll keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always. 
Trust in the Lord always, even in your trials. It says, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. He humbles the proud. He brings down the arrogant city. He brings it down to the dust. The poor and oppressed trample it underfoot, and the needy walk all over it. And now this is the part. This totally spoke to me. But for those who are righteous, and now remember, we're not righteous because we're perfect. We're righteous because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And when we receive that forgiveness, then we stand right in the eyes of God. We stand righteous before God, not because of our good works, not because we do everything right, but because we've received the forgiveness and the righteousness. Like Kevin said, Jesus's life for my life, we do that exchange. It says, but for those who are righteous, now get this, the way is not steep and rough. You are a God who does what is right, and you smooth out the path ahead of them. This is the promise that God gives us, that he will smooth out the path ahead of us, even when it looks impossible, even when it looks like, like Kevin said, you, we may have lost everything. It says, Lord, we show our trust in you by obeying your laws, and our heart's desire is to glorify your name. And I want, I want this place, I want the Adventure Church to be a place where we obey him and we trust him so that we can glorify his name. And that every time you come here, that you would have an encounter with him, that you would, that the Holy Spirit would speak to you. I mean, we pray for you every Sunday that God would open up your ears to hear what he wants to speak to you. And, and I'm hoping that this morning when you hear what this guy in a third world country has experienced, and yet he still puts his hope in God. He still puts his faith in God, despite everything that he's been through. And that is what, I mean, more than anything, the saddest thing for me would be if, if you guys would just come in here and walk out every week the same. We, we, we pray that this place would be a place where people could experience the reality of God. And that's my prayer for this morning is that hearing these stories would build your faith that you could know God is with you. God is for you. God is on your side and he loves you. And he is going to be with you through the midst of those trials. So, Kevin, do you have any final thoughts before we pray? You know, I've just seen so many of God's works, right? I've seen miracles. I've seen God heal people. You know, I've seen God bring back people from brain death and all of these things. But you know what? Through all of that, the greatest miracle that I've still ever seen is when God, like, touches somebody's heart and changes their life. Like, and if you can experience that and know that he is real and experience him, there's nothing greater than that. You know, that's just the most amazing thing. So maybe we can pray for that. Yeah, would you... Can we get on our knees and ask, uh, ask the Lord to really speak to us, to change us, to encourage us? Lord God, God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you that you've given us this day right now.
that we woke up with breath in our lungs, that we could come here to glorify you. God, I thank you that you are right here with us. God, I thank you for your spirit. God, I thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for us. God, a son who had every power, who was equal, who was in very nature God, and he didn't consider that something to be grasped, God, but he humbled himself. God, even he went through so much pain. He went through so many trials. He was rejected. He was humiliated. He was broken. He was bruised. He was crucified. And he died. God, I thank you that he did all of that so that we can know you. God, he did that so that we can come and be with you, God. So that we can be in a relationship with you. God, so that we can be changed. So that we can go from death to life. So that, God, we can have your life. So that we can exchange the worthless, the horrible, the awful. And we can take that and receive everything you have for us. The blessings. The forgiveness. The love the joy, the peace. God, your spirit you even put inside of us. God, and I thank you that you have given us so many battles, so many trials. God, it's not fun. It's not pleasant. But I thank you, God, that you have a purpose for it that you have set out all these things before we were born and that you work all things together for our good and that you who have called us is faithful to us and that you who began a good work in us will carry that work into completion, that you will use all the things that the enemy has to destroy us and you will turn them into good. God, I thank you that you have humiliated, you have mocked, you have embarrassed and you have made a public spectacle of the works of the enemy. God, because you turn all of these things for your glory. God, you are the one who makes things new. God, you are the one who revives us. You are the one who changes us. You are the one who empowers us, God, and right now, God, I ask that we can experience you. God, I ask that we can know you. I ask that we can be with you. God, you're my everything. God, you can take away everything I have. You can remove everything from my life because, God, all I want today is you.
if it's me and you, God, that's enough. If it's me and you, God, forever, that's enough for me because you are everything to me, God. You loved me when I was nothing. You loved me when I was your enemy. You pursued me when I hated you. God, thank you for finding me today. God, today my life is yours. God, tomorrow my life is yours. God, whatever I go through, my life is yours. God, use these things to change me, to mold me, to make me into the person that you created to be, that my life might give glory to you, that my breath might give glory to you, that my words might give glory to you, that I could proclaim your greatness, God, because you are great, that I could even give a little bit of honor to you, God, because you deserve it. God, make my life be something that brings pleasure to you. God, help me to honor you for everything that you've done to glorify you with my life. It's yours, God. Wherever you take me, I will go. God, help me to proclaim your goodness to everybody I meet, God. That there would not be a single person in my life, in our lives, that escape the goodness that you are for us. Let us not even go one day without sharing with someone what you've done for us. Let us not forget everything you've done for us. Let us not forget how amazing it is to have you. Let your spirit flow out from us. Just so that people can see just how great you are. God, you saved me. God, and even if I've lost everything, God, even if you take everything away, I will always praise your name. Because, God, you are good. God, you are holy. God, you are worthy. And you reached down and you picked me up. And you rescued me. And you made me new. God, I thank you for this. God, I ask that you would bless this church. I ask that you would pour your spirit upon us today. That not one person would leave here the same. That each person could feel you today. Be changed by your words today. That you would plant such a seed in them that would grow. That we would walk out of here different. Change my heart today.